Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. It's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why we're the best news show. That's a promo. Welcome in, folks. Walker, you got something? I'll just say, let them know. That's all I said. Let them know because he got some pretty big news locally. Going yeah, I got some breaking news coming in. Starting the campus Kona a little bit early. NC State fans, MJ Morris planning to redshirt the remainder of the 2023 college football season, according to the Wolfpackers, Ethan McDowell. Wolfpack are coming off back-to-back victories. And over four games, he's accumulated 719 passing yards, seven passing touchdowns, five interceptions. Hasn't run as much as a lot of people thought that he would. But with Morris Redshirt, Brennan Armstrong will now step back into the starting role. Armstrong has experience in offense with Coach Anai, but it has not worked out uh, at the beginning of the season like many people thought it would. And this is just a, a, a dumbfounding move. They said, regardless, it's a fascinating decision from MJ Morris, one that's coming at an interesting time. And, yeah, I mean, I don't get this move at all. You're playing. Uh, you look to be the starting quarterback of the future. This looks like a possible move to perhaps go into the portal. But this era of college football, as much as I enjoy it, I do love player empowerment. I do love NIL and all of those things. But, man, the mentality of these kids finished the doggone season. Are you kidding me? You quit on your team. Yes, quit on your team midway through. You guys have a lot to play for if you won out. Not to say that that was going to happen, but if you won out and got help, you could end up in Charlotte. What are you doing? The fact that this team, at least they got to a bowl game. But even still, that doesn't soften the blow at all. MJ Morris ain't coming back after this. No, he ain't coming back. He's transferring, and he's deciding to do it with just three games left total on their schedule, not including the bowl game, might I add. Plus, you're talking about a couple of local teams. You're playing against Wake Forest, and then you're doing it before you actually play against North Carolina. What's going to be interesting is if, I'm saying if, NC State loses to North Carolina, and in part because Brendan Armstrong's been sitting on the bench and not having as many reps because MJ Morris has been starting, and there wasn't a question about going back to Brendan Armstrong. It's not like Morris has been playing stellar football, but it's also not like you were about to go back to Brennan for these last three games by any means. They won the last two. They had a big win against Clemson. It was a defensive real uh, nice performance uh, for the defense there, beating Miami 20-6. to 
but MJ Morris quitting on the team and deciding to transfer in order to save another year of eligibility. Yeah, you can't come back after this. And I imagine NC State fans are not going to be happy with him. Um, that's going to be one of the more disliked players that they've had in quite some time. 56% completion, seven touchdowns of five interceptions. Where are you going? What, like, this is one of my biggest things that, that I try to teach my child. I, yeah. I, yeah. We'll look I at mean, this to I'm see so whether this is a flagrant. Mm, that, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> things I try to teach my son in life is to be self-aware, okay? You have to realize your limitations, recognize your strength, and don't do things that just completely go against what you are or what you know you can do. MJ Morris, you are completing 55% of your passes, seven touchdowns to five interceptions. It's not like NC State doesn't have NFL quarterback pedigree. They produce guys that go to the league and are good players. But this is just bewildering to say the least. You're quitting on your team. It's not like you're ripping the league up. Where are you going? Are you going to USC to play with Lincoln Riley or something? Are you going somewhere to play with some quarterback guru that we don't know about that's going to turn you into the second coming of Mike Vick? Like, seriously, this is ridiculous. These kids, as soon as it doesn't go that way, I I don't want to play here anymore. I mean, oh God. if you sign up to play for the season, play the damn season. Then when it's over with, you can figure out what you want to do. This is ridiculous for MJ Morris. I can feel it for NC State fans. I'm sure at this point, after this has happened, they want him to get on somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, man. You're only completing 56% of your passes, seven touchdowns, five picks, and you up here acting like that you are. I don't even know which quarterback you want to pretend. You're not Caleb Williams. You're not any of them, man. Get out of here with this mess. This is mess. Wes, this is after so many NC State fans wanted MJ Morris to start at the beginning of the season. Yes. And now your savior has betrayed you. (laughs) The very QB that you wanted to start over Brennan Armstrong after they landed him in the transfer portal. And we know how the text line was looking. We know how tweeters were looking. They were telling us, I don't want Brennan Armstrong to start. We want MJ Morris to start. Finally does. And then he leaves the fan base behind. Now, this is what we should acknowledge just in case it's going on behind closed doors. I don't know what the coaching staff is telling him. I don't know if they're being open with him saying, despite what happened, we're going to go after a QB in the portal. We're going to see... If you want to compete with him next year, we want you to finish out the season. We could have a pretty not special end of the season because the way the season is gone, but a nice one going on a potential five game winning streak. That was absolutely on the table against Wake Forest, Virginia Tech and North Carolina. 100% on the table, as I like to say, but with MJ Morris now leaving, I do wonder if the coaches were telling him, thank you for your service. But we are going to look to see if we can upgrade at QB. And then before they had the chance to do so, I wonder if MJ was like, nah, man, this is twice you've already done this. I stayed there this past offseason. When you landed, Brennan, despite me playing decent enough football for you and the fan base wanting me to start, I can't go through it again. I'm out. I do wonder if there's something to be said there on behalf of MJ. But the fact that you are technically quitting 
with three games left on the schedule, well, I know Wolfpack fans can't be happy about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's the thing about it, too, man. If that is going on behind the scenes, you still have your teammates. You still have the guys that you're out there battling for, man. You guys still have stuff to play for, so just play for them. And then once the season's done, and figure out what it is you want to do. I get you want to save the extra year eligibility, but for guys like this, when they have thought processes like this, I, I just don't see them being successful. And my book is not great football character, even if – the coaches are, they've got some some stuff going on behind the scenes or whatnot, but you play for your teammates, man. You're the quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of the team and play through it all and be able to give guys the example of, of how you're supposed to perform when the chips are down. So I, I just don't like this either way it goes. I, I usually am for the players doing whatever is in their best interest, and that might be the case here. It really might be. I, I can understand where MJ Morris is coming from if the coaches are telling him, man, we're going to be open with you. We would like to upgrade or we would like the opportunity to upgrade a QB. And honestly, it's not that bad for NC State to do. Like, if you have the chance to land a better QB than what MJ Morris has shown you now in four starts after they denounce Brennan Armstrong, then you would be silly to not take it. The offense hasn't been good this year. Defense is winning you games here recently. I mean, they held Clemson to 17 points. They held Miami to six. And yet NC State's offense hadn't scored more than just 24. So NC State, I can understand why they would go look for a QB. This is all, by the way, speculation. I have no clue what's going on behind closed doors. But it's a pretty feasible scenario that I'm bringing up. And if MJ Morris wants to save a year of eligibility, Wes, here's another question, too. I wonder... (laughs) I can't imagine the coach, the coaching staff telling MJ Morris to transfer. I don't think that's happening. But I do wonder if there is some kind of agreement. Hey, we understand because of what we told you. If you want to move on, that's fine. That can be best for you. We already got a bowl game locked up. I don't see us winning the ACC championship going on a 3-0 and run, having to have some help with everybody else too. So if you feel like this is the best decision for you, then that's cool with me. I wonder if there was any of that behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, lots of things we need to learn. I couldn't see Dave Dorn and that staff. I agree him with you. At all. I yeah, agree. I couldn't see that. I think they probably were dumbfounded as well. They were probably like, "Come on, man!" But now, uh, getting back into things, and we were going to touch on NC State as well, saying were they the team that nobody wants to play because of those back-to-back wins and because of the way that they have been playing. Not that MJ Morris has been sterling, but we know Concepcion. They got the big win over Clemson. They beat Miami. So they still have something to play for, and we've seen crazier things uh, happen. But just real quick, a check-in on as we come down the stretch. We've talked about ACC Player of the Year before, and a lot of us preseason thought that this was going to be Drake May and a not necessarily a shoe-in, but we thought he had a very high probability to do that. But just to check in to see who you think the player of the year is right now, I've got Jordan Travis. Uh, again, I think he's been really, really, really great this year. And I thought his performance this past Saturday against Pittsburgh really solidified that. Missing his top two receivers, still going 22 for 36, 360 yards, two TDR uh, on the day, completed passes to eight different receivers, man. That's a huge trait to be able to have going into the NFL that no matter what you supply for me at receiver, I'm still going to have a great game. And he's thrown a touchdown pass in 21 straight games. We know about the win streak. He's got the FSU record for multiple touchdown games. My player of the year right now is uh, Jordan Travis. It's going to be hard to give it to anybody but Jordan Travis, especially if Florida State finishes the season undefeated. 
And plus, he's putting up good numbers. You mentioned, how about just the last two games? He's thrown for 360 yards and four touchdowns with zero interceptions. You mentioned some of the stats there. He's still a threat to run. He has four straight games with a rushing touchdown. Uh, yeah, Jordan Travis has been playing very well. If you're to ask me who I think the better football player is, I, I think Drake May is a QB that I would trust more. That's why he's going to go probably number two. And with Caleb Williams struggling at times this year against good defenses, you've seen some mock drafts have him number one over Caleb Williams. So that guy with the highest graded game that we saw last week, it wasn't his fault that they lost to Georgia Tech. Not a great game against Virginia by any means. It's still the defense as to why they lost to Virginia a couple of weeks back. I still think Drake May is incredible, but... It would be tough to hand the ACC Player of the Year trophy to anybody other than the QB putting up stats like this for an undefeated squad. Yeah, it, it's probably going to be Jordan Travis, and I would have no problem with it whatsoever. Pretty, do you have a say in this in Player of the Year right now? I mean, it, it should be Jordan Travis. It most likely will be Jordan Travis. If Carolina wins out and they find themselves in the ACC title game, depending on the numbers that Amari Hampton puts up, I think he could be – a, a sneaky can because he's having a monster season. He he's got the most carries in the college football without losing a, or with, without putting the ball on the ground at all. He's a sneaky candidate. But if, but if FSU is undefeated, Jordan Travis is your guy. Isn't it interesting how Amarion Hampton has been so good this year? And at the beginning of the season, the running back conversation surrounded Will Shipley, Trey Benson. A lot of that on this show because of me. I just love what he did, and it's not like anybody you know uh, refuted that. But it was around those two guys. And then it was about North Carolina's running back position group as a whole. How that position group, the room, was the best, the, had the most depth there. But it's Hampton that's emerged as the best running back in the ACC. I, at least the numbers would tell you that. That's not anything that we... Been. Yeah, that's not what we saw coming from North Carolina's offense. We thought it was going to be Drake May, and then we'll see about Tez Walker being their number one threat. Would they have enough depth to help them in the passing game? We liked Nesbitt, but Amarion Hampton has been incredible this year. It's a good bring-up by Fitty. I think they're just going to do the, we respect you, here's your top five vote, but you ain't about to win this thing. Yeah, and so uh, also, you know, the defensive players, they sometimes get lost in the shuffle. Just real quick who do we feel like has been the best defensive player in the conference this season i normally lean towards the lineman because i know it all starts up front but antoine powell ryland out of virginia tech has been tremendous this year top five in the nation in sacks he's got nine of those he's got 12 and a half tackles for loss and he's forced three fumbles a guy that not many people are talking about a transfer out of florida Antoine Powell-Ryland has been big time this year. Well, I know Peyton Wilson is going to get a lot of votes as well from NC State. That would be somebody, One I of think, the nation's leaders in tackling. 105 leads the conference by 20. Cedric Gray comes in second at 85. Plus, I wonder if the experience of Peyton Wilson being a guy that's gone through it injury-wise and has been with NC State for so long, if this is finally his time to take home some hardware, I do wonder if that's going to happen. So Peyton it Wilson just might be. Yeah, Peyton Wilson would be my answer if I had to vote for one defensive player in the conference. Yeah, and so when you also look at him too, man, week in, week out, like you said, all that he's overcome also add 10 tackles for loss. Four sacks and two interceptions, including a pick six against Clemson to that. And he's got five passes defended and two fumble recoveries. So not only is he just making a bleep load of tackles on a weekly basis, but he's a playmaker on that defense living in people's backfields. Fiddy, do you have any thoughts on who has been the ACC's best defender thus far? 
As a lifelong Tar Heel football fan, I'm not qualified to talk about the performances of defensive players from other teams. <laughs> hey, that's it's funny. I heard people talking about that too. It, North Carolina has had really good defenses. They just can't get good units at the same time, which is real. That's the problem with North Carolina football. When you have the Sam Howell and Drake May back-to-back quarterback and the defense was as bad as it was, you just would love to pair it with whatever Butch Davis had going, yes, despite some funny business happening behind the scenes, but you would love to pair it with those units and the units of even the first tenure of Mac Brown. But it's not to be, Wes. It's This is the defense that allows uh, Virginia to run all over them and Georgia Tech to throw all over them. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to talk more Carolina Panthers, our jobs on the line Thursday night, and B.J. Mack. Garinger High School men's basketball coach joins us to talk about who for a cause, that and more on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. play the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football and boy do they need a victory it's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ what are the chances they can actually win this game you can text us you can vent you can bring the optimism too if you want that's welcomed also 704-570-9610 the text line is 704-570-9610 it would be a bad loss Wes just like this one against the Indianapolis Colts trying to build off a win against Houston where Bryce Young outperformed the QB that had been playing so much better. And then I think we went back to reality this past weekend when C.J. Stroud almost put up half a thou on Tampa Bay. Did that warrant my number one ranking? Oh, no, because it was all about what they were doing then. <laughs> he was going to do that. Yeah. And then so C.J. Stroud only throwing for 130, 140. I think that's what justified my ranking of number five. Okay. If we were to redo it, then maybe it would. But yeah, it wasn't good for Carolina either way. And then this is, <laughs> I wonder how we would be talking about this game if CJ just threw for 250, even in a win. If he just threw for 250, how would we be talking about it? We'd probably still bring him up, but we wouldn't bring him up nearly as much. We've been talking about CJ Stroud just as much as damn near Houston sports radio might be. Well, I mean, he's a part of Charlotte sports history because he was the guy that the Panthers mm-hmm. could have taken. It was the reverse of Wemby. I mean, you could have had Wemby, but uh, the lottery balls didn't go your way. You get the second pick, and 
could have had C.J. Stroud, but you chose someone over him. That, that's what is so different, though, because you didn't have a chance at Wimby. Sure. You were close, but you didn't have a chance. You would have drafted him clearly, and you couldn't. You could have drafted C.J. Stroud. You could have drafted Anthony Richardson, but you decided to go with Bryce Young, which brings a lot of pressure. When you have that many QBs that are being juggled as the number one overall pick and you decide to grab on to Bryce Young and he's performing the way that he did against Indianapolis, although getting better from what he was at the beginning of the season, takes a a real big setback. So here's the number one overall pick by the general manager who can't hide behind the fact that he doesn't have authority anymore over personal decisions. He does. It's personal and personnel, I should say. There's too many cat stats that made me go back to per. So when it comes to personnel for Scott Fitterer, he doesn't get to hide behind Matt Rule anymore. He's the guy that chose Bryce Young. Frank Wright gave him his blessing, whether he needed it or not, after they had a long deliberation over the offseason. And maybe it was David Tepper driving that home so much so that Fitterer didn't feel like he could choose anyone else. But that's the choice. And Fitterer is going to be the guy that has to pay. Here's my question, because we already had the Scott Fitterer conversation for the most part yesterday. I'm sure we'll continue to do so. If Scott Fitterer is the next guy to go, what are the possibilities Frank Reich has gone to? Um, I think, of course, they're going to give Frank Reich this season, and then I think next season, oh, I think the, the seat is going to get hot if things don't start out the way that uh, they feel that it needs to, which... Uh, what is the the line of progress after you come off potentially a one, two, three win season? Is it going to be five wins, six wins? Is it going to be inside of your first five or six games? You ta- you should have two to three wins before they decide to move on. But we know most coaches in the NFL these days, you get about two seasons roughly. And I'm saying roughly because if the first season goes really bad and then you come out and that second season doesn't start well, you're probably going to be on the chopping block. I think at this point, it doesn't bode well for you if you're Frank Reich and you don't finish this season, you know, with more than X amount of wins. You know, if you have just a couple of wins on your name, that's definitely going to make the lease a lot shorter. There, There were 11 coaches since 2011 fired after just one season with their team. It's happening a little more frequently over the last couple of years. In fact, it's happened four times over the last four years. Urban Meyer couldn't even make it to one season. That was justified. I think we all understand that was justified. David Coley, not so justified in my opinion. Houston moves on from David Coley in 2021. And then you look at Nathaniel Hackett, bad first year with Denver. Sean Payton will tell you so. And Lovey Smith, Houston would move on from their first year head coaches two times in a row. Panthers would be the 12th team to do so since 2011 if David Tepper decided that they were going to move on. Fiddy, do we have that sound from Adam Schefter on the Pat McAfee show? I don't know if you wanted to talk about it in the live wire. I just think it's relevant here with this conversation. Let's go ahead and play that sound. Adam Schefter joined Pat McAfee to tell you, yeah, even if you don't see it a ton when a coach is fired after the first season, it's certainly on the table for Carolina. I, I don't think anybody's got a long rope there just because of the type of season that they're having. And if we go back to last year, Matt Rule, you know, there were stories coming out the week before we started. David Tepper is going to be patient. David Tepper is going to take us. Hey, one thing about David Tepper, he's not very patient. He's as successful as he is because of uh, the way he's operated his business. And it's worked for him basically at every level. Um, he does what he wants. And I don't think that people are thinking that there's trouble right now with those people. But would 
anybody be surprised with anything that happens in Carolina after this year? No, no. Look, you have the kind of season that they have, and mm-hmm. let, let's keep in mind, uh, they play the Bears Thursday night. The Bears have their number one draft pick. So if the Bears win on Thursday, that's a huge victory in, in a bigger way than just the game itself for the Chicago Bears on Thursday night. It, it, again, this is not the kind of season that the Carolina Panthers expected. So, you know, whether we're talking about the Giants or the Panthers or any team that's going through what they're going through, and this is the kind of year where it gets to be a long, miserable season, there are going to be people that lose jobs wherever it is. There are going to be changes that are made wherever it is. That's the way the league runs and operates. I remember when David Tepper took over, everybody was discussing how he was coming from an organization that practiced patience as much as anybody. Always kind of shrugged my shoulders at that because Pittsburgh, while they were patient for sure, they also got it right pretty immediately. And they would stick with you know, how many coaches have they had in the last like 70 years, right? Just three, something, something crazy like that. I feel like David Tepper has been more patient than the fan base has with his head coaching hirings. Ron Rivera, remember, he stuck around a little bit. You have Matt Rule. I thought he should be gone after two years. Sure. Stuck with him. And then moved on after just five games, but did stick with him going into the next offseason. I think part of this is a little egotistical in the fact that you don't want to admit that you made a mistake so early. And it does scream dysfunction if you move on one year after a coach. And by the way, as much as we might not like Frank Reich, Reich has been successful in this league. With an owner like Jim Irsay, by the way, who also doesn't have a great reputation. So now you're saying this environment is not conducive to winning. Frank Wright can't do it. It would be a bad look, but if a mistake is a mistake, then you want to move on. I just wonder if it's going to happen with Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer. If they do, do they do it together? Does David Tepper decide we're cleaning house with Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer gone? Yeah, and as I said, I think that that's the way to do it. Maybe not at the end of this season, but I think that that's the way to do it. You don't want to just get rid of one and then bring in another one and then they're not on the same page and then you've got issues there. I think you need to bring in a head coach and a general manager together and get rid of them together. And so uh, I think that that's the way that the Panthers should go. And I think that they're going to give them an offseason and part of next year to be able to right the ship, so to speak. And they are certainly, they've got their work cut out for them. If they're able to turn this thing around next season, then they'll be deserving of being here for a while. But uh, their backs are certainly against the wall. Yeah, Trekker T writes in, Frank Reich was successful with a QB named Andrew Luck, which is true. And this is what happens. I, I remember John Fox went through this quite a bit when people were questioning whether he should be a head coach and whether he was successful here in Carolina outside of that Super Bowl run. It's, yeah, Frank Reich was successful with Andrew Luck. He was also successful with last year Phillip Rivers, who moved on from the Chargers for a reason. They were ready to move on from him, too, and also played 500 or better football with Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Jacoby Brissett. There are some redeeming factors about him. It doesn't mean that he's been great. It doesn't mean that they have been flawless in developing Bryce Young. But if you want to continue to go to the one constant, then it's David Tepper taking over and this team not being able to put up 500 football anymore. 
or even a winning record. Goodness gracious, we'd love a winning record now. Like you have gotten close at least to 500, but yeah, we would just want that back. We want we had the second half of last season, and now you're not even getting close to it. They also damned themselves with the comments of, all we have to do is drop a QB onto this roster, yes, and we'll be good. Because <laughs> they ain't. And that's what I go back to Adam Schefter's part in that comment that he had, where he says, the Panthers did not expect this season to go the way that it has. Yeah, and I'm not surprised by that. I Of course, it, I, nobody did. I understand that maybe we, not overrating, but maybe we had too high of an expectation on what Bryce Young could do immediately. Even if C.J. Stroud is doing what he's doing in Houston, it's still a lot to ask for your rookie QB. Everything else went so poorly around him. But those comments, when you make those comments, then it's not just the media telling you that this is going to be a fun season. It's them, too. And usually they're a little scared to tell you that we're going to accomplish this goal. That's why you never hear individual goals or even team goals. But they told you all we got to do is drop a QB on this roster and we're, we're good. Well, they've been anything but Wes. Not at all. And when you look at the messaging that we got coming out of camp, a lot of stuff got debunked as the season started, whether it was just how far ahead of the curve that Bryce Young was. They felt like that they were going to not only be able to give him what was in the playbook already, but expand upon it, add new elements to it. They talked about Mingo, how much of a gym rat he was, how ready he was. Everything we heard was everybody was ready to go, locked and loaded, and even through the preseason when we started to see some of those things fall apart with the offensive line and different things like that. You know, we heard that things were going to be fine. They were going to figure it out. They're not really showing what they're going to show once the regular season came. And this team definitely stacked expectations. We brought into it uh, to an extent, and it's been nothing but that. And so uh, there was a lot of uh, just bad hyperbole to go around at the beginning of this season. And so now they have to dig themselves out of this. 704-570-9610. Tell us how, how you're feeling about David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, even Frank Reich, whatever, again, on the text line. Yeah, Fort Mill Niner wrote in, Tepper isn't even the best hedge fund manager in Charlotte anymore. That is Biff. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, which, by the way, I think we understand that it's not true, but also I like to live in a world where it is true that the Charlotte football coach is better is a better hedge fund manager than what the owner of the professional franchise is here in Charlotte. Heat fan said, yeah, we agree with Wes. We're just going to keep shooting ourselves in the foot if we keep alternating the firing of GM or coach. Just let it ride out till mid-next year. If it's still bad, then fire them both. But that's what I wonder, is the fan base okay with sticking with Frank Reich because they had a lot of criticism for him at the beginning of the year? So I do wonder, and you can text us again, you know the number by now, are you willing to deal with Frank Reich the rest of the season so you can have some semblance of stability, like any iota of stability, even if it means losing a lot with Frank Reich as your head coach the second half this season? Because not only that, man, just the continuity, because that sets Bryce back as well. We know the time that it's taken for him to be able to learn an offense and for quarterbacks to learn offenses, and we see that he's struggling with this one. So it's like, do you really want to go into another season, him having to learn a whole nother offense and a whole nother, uh, you know, vernacular for said offense? And then guys have to learn new defenses and learn new everything. And it's like putting everybody back at square one. So that's why I think you give them the time 
to be able to make some uh, additions to be able to help this team go into next season with some continuity, see what you have. If it's not working out, get them out of here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, especially with Adam Schefter telling us it's going to be a wild second half. And Joe Person said it too, joining Mac and Bone, I believe, earlier today, talking about how fascinating the storylines could become. We're just such, we're in an area of such uncertainty. I, we don't know what's going to happen. Now everything's on the table because we didn't think that Frank Reich might be on the outs at the end of this season, but now he is. And and Scott Fitter, we did like we, we did kind of discuss, okay, if things go so terribly wrong, Scott Fitter would be the first guy out because now the drafting, the free agent signings, the bad trades, it, Scott Fitter is the one closely associated to that. And if, if it happens again to where they don't have a winning record, even sniff NFC South contention, then he was always going to be the guy that I think was going to be the uh, fall guy. All right, so we'll move on. We'll continue to talk a little more Carolina Panther football and the Charlotte Hornets. Also, Terrence Oglesby joins us. We still have Brian Mack, head coach of Garinger Men's Basketball. Lots still to get to right here on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I told you we got a lot to get to. And now we're going to welcome Brian Mack, the organizer of Hope for a Cause. He is bringing awareness, attention, and support for youth athletics, dealing with mental health issues. It's really an important cause. Also raising money to help support Garinger High School Athletic Fund. The event takes place on Thursday, November 9th at Garinger High School. Exhibition games. Not only with Oak Hill Academy, you may have heard of them, but also one of one AU team for LaMelo Ball. Yes. You may have heard of him. Then Northside Christian Academy versus Covenant Day at 830. Going to be a lot of uh, fun watching both of those exhibition games. You're talking about 10 to 15 top 100 players in the 2024-2025 class. Brian, do you think you got enough talent going on for Hoop for a Cause? I hope so. I hope so. I think so. I think uh, that was rhetorical. That's that's 100% true. You got a lot of talent rolling in here. Man, tell us about the origin story of Hoop for a Cause. Well, it, we put it together to kind of bring awareness, attention, and support with uh, mental health issues within youth athletes. I mean, 
they have a lot of pressure, social media, parents. Like, I'll be the poster child for dysfunctional AAU dad. I was the dad that was screaming up and down. But by the grace of God, me and my son made it through. But I know a lot of stories where guys didn't make it through. So wanted to partner with Atrium Health to kind of bring some resources and let kids know that there are places that they can go, people that they can talk to for things like that. And then your son, BJ, that's currently playing for South Carolina by way of... Wofford. Yes, by way of Wofford. And so in talking about that cause that you had, because definitely a, a mental health advocate for sure... And so did you guys ever have any scenarios to where he had to kind of let you know, like, hey, dad, like, this is a, a bit much, man. Every game. Lay off. Every game. <laughs> yeah. That's why I say I'll stand up and say I'm, I am the poster child for it because me and my son's relationship was very unique. People only seen one tiny aspect of it, what was in the gym. Mm-hmm. But they didn't see the work that went into it before, after the game. Like now, people see me in the stands. I'm yelling, screaming at him. But as soon as the game's over, it's done. We're back to father and son. Yeah. Is that is that the kind of advice that you would offer? Because I'm sure a lot of dads can identify with that. Oh, yeah. I, I know a lot. What kind of advice would you give to dads that might be identifying with what you're portraying right now? Well, AAU is very difficult because you got a lot of politics in it. The one thing that worked for me and my family was we set out a plan for our home. And I've always told him, this is your dream. This is what you told me you wanted to do. So I'm going to hold you to that standard. So... Every step, I'm going to be on you. That's just life. So if I'm in here and can get you these life lessons through this game that you love, but my advice would be just pick a plan that's according to your family and don't let some of these AAU coaches or other people lead you into what their plan for your child is because they can leave, but you're still set there picking up the pieces of dad woulda, coulda, shoulda, when if you follow the plan that's there, just put it all in God's hands. All right, so when you look at uh, the layout of this tournament, what was the selection process for the teams, and how excited are you to see uh, these squads, especially that one-on-one matchup against Oak Hill? We know the tradition and the lineage uh, of that program. Well, Oak Hill, my son actually played there in the 2009 situation, so he graduated there, so he's a part of that alumni family. So me and Coach Smith and the new coach up there have a great relationship. So, And then now a good friend of mine actually is on the coaching staff of one-on-one. So they, the kids have been running around Charlotte talking to each other back and forth on social media. So I just sat around and I said, man, these games got to happen. That's one thing of me as a promoter back from when I started this years and years ago. My thing was bringing the best of the best together. Uh, being in a barbershop, being a local barber, we hear all the chatter from all the kids because all of them are in the community. They come around together. So we hear it. I've got a couple of kids that I cut hair for both of them. So I hear it every weekend when they're in there. So we put the game together to bring some of those kids. But everybody thinks that Oak Hill one of one game is going to be huge. I'm more excited to see the Northside Christian Covenant Day game because it's local. You've got a bunch of kids that are that are top 100 kids here in the state that are uh, committed to some local schools, like a couple of them at Appalachian. So I think that game is going to really surprise a lot of people how competitive it's going to be. All right, Brian, where can people go to find more information on Hoop for a Cause taking place November 9th? Uh, You can go on all of our social media, uh, Facebook page. You can call me directly. If you go on social media, it's Hoop for a Cause. It's H-O-O-P, the number four, A-C-A-U-S-E. Uh, you can call me directly at 704-619-3113. We still have $15 tickets available online. Yeah, you can follow him as well on Twitter at MadSkillsWithAZBarber. 
Mad Skills Barber. He told you, man. I'm sure he does got the mad skills. Hoop for a cause, bringing attention, awareness, and support for youth athletics, also dealing with mental health issues. It's a great cause. Also, some great ex- advice from an AAU dad. I think a lot of people could take that advice and run with it and be better for it. Brian, we appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you so man. much. Yeah, thank, thank you. Awesome thank you, stuff. We'll put that up. Any more information on Hoop for a Cause, we can put on the interview that we upload to our website, WFNZ.com. So in case you missed it or you just want to have it in written form right in front of your face we're gonna have that for you again weston walker tab wfnz.com that was brian mack all right let's talk a little more about the charlotte hornets we kind of did with the one of one au basketball team that Lamelo is in charge of we have a conversation planned at some point i promise the people that we're supposed to get to it so hopefully we do Lamelo finally coming on a little bit more in the last weekend, last couple games, defensive possession against Indiana, and the great fourth quarter against the Dallas Mavericks. Let's talk more about that with Terrence Oglesby, Hornets analyst for Bally, and also talking some college basketball for the Field of 68 Network. Terrence Oglesby joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Terrence, you told us that it might take about, what, I think four to seven, something like that, of those <laughs> that, that number around that neighborhood of games before LaMelo finally found his rhythm. Is it? Do you feel comfortable that LaMelo could use this weekend as a launching pad to find his rhythm going forward? Yeah, I think this, this weekend he was more reactionary as opposed to really thinking what was going to happen. I thought he was really good, and the fact that to open the game against Dallas, what was it, seven assists on the first seven buckets? Like, he's making such a profound impact now, and it's all now. I'm playing fast. I'm not going to give the ball up anymore. And I realize that I'm kind of that first chain of events. I can break down the defense. I can get into that 10-foot area and really make something happen and make it easy for my teammates. And then that there was a point, I want to say it was in the third quarter, and I could be wrong, but when he went down, it was kind of awkward. He kind of grabbed his ankle, and then everybody kind of held their breath. And it was like, what's going to happen here? Well, I think that was a little bit like a football player coming back from injury where you have to get hit first to really embrace what's happening. And then after that happened, he just starts raining threes from everywhere. It's good to see him back comfortable. Uh, The offense as a whole looked a whole lot better on this road trip. Well, and Terrence, I think it was Gordon Hayward who talked to LaMelo saying, look, when the shot's not falling – Find other people, find other ways to get other people involved. And we know LaMelo absolutely has that ability. I know you played at a really high level. What happens to you to try to get back into a rhythm when the shot just isn't falling for you? I know a little bit of a different player than LaMelo. You were the gunner. You were the sniper from deep. LaMelo a little bit more of a point guard in that regard. But how would you get over some of the shooting struggles that might come your way a few games? I would try to get to the free throw line. That was kind of like my rhythm seeker, or I would try to get to my spot, which was the left elbow. That was the, that was kind of where I would find my rhythm. If I could get to that spot, I knew. Now, LaMelo is such a different player than me. I'm not really sure it's applicable. He gets a rhythm by, uh, he gets a rhythm by putting the ball on the deck and then creating. And then as the game starts to flow, he starts to feel better. So wildly different players. <laughs> wildly. Terrence. Oglesby joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And Terrence, when you talk about that stop that LaMelo had at the end of that Pacers game and how excited he got, how excited the team got, was it enjoyable but yet frustrating all in the same because you want these guys to be that excited about defense all the time? You know what? 
I was more excited on this road trip. I, I mean, obviously, you need a huge stop, and that's kind of what Lamelo presents being six seven, six eight. He should be able to get those stops uh, with consistency. That's kind of where uh, you want to see that more often. But I, I was more encouraged by how the offense was playing. I, I think you know Steve Clifford's always going to be able to put. Uh, guys in position defensively to at least give them a chance. Offensively, you kind of have to let go a little bit and let these guys play. And I thought they really came together uh, this week. But do I want them to lock down on defense every possession? I think everybody who who has been a coach at one time or another, you want to see that, sure. But at the same time, his ability to step up and get a, get a stop with uh, that little time, is it, I thought was huge. And I think it was telling to – the mindset of where kind of he's at because he, he used that to go into the next game against Dallas where you're able to see kind of it's starting to snowball a little bit for him. And so when you look at this Hornets offense as well, they're 28th in the league in three-point percentage, but they lead the NBA in points in the paint per game, points in the paint differential per game, and two-pointers made per game. Is this a thing that fans just need to be more patient and the three-point shots are going to start to fall being the way they attack the paint? You know what? It's usually one one way or another. For example, in football, you're going to run the ball in order to open up the outside, or you're going to throw the ball around the perimeter in order to get some runs up the middle. I think a lot of the same concepts are applicable. And whenever you you're able to take advantage of the paint, like they have, which let's be honest, bodes well going up against the Washington Wizards team, 28th in the league, and giving up points in the paint. They give up over 56 points a game, and they're playing them twice in a row. I think that's a good thing, and it bodes well. But I, I, I also don't think there's bad shooters on this team. A lot of these guys are struggling to find a rhythm. P.J. Washington came alive over the last you know, three games. Uh, you want to see them shoot with more consistency, but you also the quality of shots needs to be better. And once the quality of shots become better and easier because they are attacking the paint, I think they're going to start hitting more from the outside as well. Terrence, no Terry Rozier for at least the next two games. He missed the game against Dallas. What does his absence mean for this squad that saw Brandon Miller start his first game of his NBA career against the Mavericks? I think it gives Brandon Miller a, a unique opportunity to get in the starting lineup early. And everybody knows you're blind if you don't think Brandon Miller is going to start eventually. But I think it gives him a chance to feel it out a little bit. Uh, the last game against Dallas was the first time I thought Brandon Miller looked like a rookie. He forced a couple of shots. He was a little bit of a ball stopper on offense. Defensively got caught out of position. But I think he'll be able to rebound quick because he's such a smart kid. But Rozier, he's just the, – the thing with him is if the team gets in a rut, he's a guy that can string off eight points in a row. And as spurtable as he is, sometimes you need that when other guys aren't having their best day. Now that they're starting to get their offensive rhythm – He's just going to add that much more, especially uh, you know, adding to depth for, quite frankly, guys, a Hornets team that's not all that deep when it comes to actual statistical production. And then, Terrence, when you look at Gordon Haywood, a guy we haven't talked about a ton, but he's one of 11 players this season averaging 15, five rebounds, five assists, and a steal. What's been your read on him so far? Does this look like a guy that's healthy and happy and just ready to have a, a great season and be available, most importantly, for the Hornets? Well, the best ability is availability. Uh, I mean, I think that's the big thing. You want him to be able to play. And I, and I think he's going to play as close to 82 games as he possibly can. Well, for two reasons. One, this team needs a veteran presence. And two, he's in a contract year. 
So those two things together, I, I think he's been uh, really good. He's not the loudest scoring guy. A lot of mid-range jump shots, a lot of catch-and-shoot threes, not somebody who's going to run up and down screaming and yelling. But at the same time, I think he's been really good in a steadying presence for some of the younger players. All right, Terrence, uh, rapid fire. I'm going up against a break, but I didn't want to get you out of here before asking your opinions on the ACC college basketball debut, watching that conference go 14-0. A little bit of a scare for Louisville last night. Does not look good after dropping an exhibition game and battling with UMBC, but at least the ACC goes 14-0. What were some of your conference takeaways? Uh, Paxton, uh, Paxton Wojcik started for Carolina. That was surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Louisville has just been disappointing to me. I, I don't really know how to address that any differently. Uh, if things aren't changed in a hurry, you can't give up 92 points to UMBC. They just, like, it just, it just can't happen, guys. And I know they had an upset you know, yesteryear or whatever, but you have to be better defensively. And there was a talent upgrade there at Louisville and the production hasn't gotten any better. And it's just, it's scary for one. And Louisville fans, you know, I almost feel bad for them at this point because they've been presented some hope and then, you know, it kind of struggled. Outside of that, Joe Girard taking only five shots for Clemson and a blowout win over Winthrop. That was surprising. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, Florida State not playing till Friday, I thought was interesting. But outside of that, guys, not a whole lot of huge games in the ACC as far as competition is concerned. Uh, that's going to be reserved for the next week. But I was up at Marquette for their opener against Northern Illinois. You want to talk about another team that can really play, really share the basketball. Uh, a really fun opening day as far as I'm concerned. Right, the man knows round ball. Terrence Oglesby, college, NBA, it doesn't matter. We'll have him on plenty of times throughout the year, as long as he's willing to. Hornets analyst for Bally, also field of 68 Network. That's Terrence Oglesby joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Always fun, man. We, uh, we really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Terrence Oglesby, Brian Mack, a packed segment as we move on into the last hour of Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.